0: Welcome, everyone, to another Red Sox Hot Stove Edition with the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Not a ton of news to go over. We might touch on just a couple of things towards the end. But what we are here to discuss on this episode is which departure of a player was more painful. Was it A... John Lester, or B, Xander Bogart. So we're going to kind of touch on the components of of both of them and kind of see where the episode takes us from there. Uh, It's myself, Terry Cushman, and Andrew Dwan on this episode. Andrew, how are you?
1: Doing good. Enjoying some uh, rare 65-degree weather out here in Denver today. It was amazing. Had shorts and a t-shirt on going to be like 30 tomorrow but i'll take it i'll take it today
0: (laughs) so what's the normal high would you say in the
1: winter usually like 40 low 50s if you're lucky but yeah (laughs) we don't get a lot of snow in denver which is nice and if if, you know if we do it melts by 5 p.m they don't even plow out here it's kind of weird nothing like i expected when i moved out
0: yeah i mean we drop down into the 40s at night down here in South Carolina, but the Thanks. days typically get into the 50s or 60s, and we're still seeing 70s uh, at this point as well. But uh, yeah, it's definitely cooled off. So tomorrow, I'm actually going to hang out with a high school friend of mine in the mountains of western North Carolina. So that's going to be a five-hour drive. So Oof. I'll bring I get some
1: snow up there.
0: I think they get some, not a lot, but um, but Yeah couple times a year anyway so all right so let's just kind of get into it so i think we're probably going to agree on which one i mean they were both painful but um which of the two players do you think hurt the most at the time um they were officially no longer with us
1: for me i it was john lester and maybe you agree with me but it wasn't even close. I don't know. I f- the way I viewed both of them leaving, the lesser one hurt more. It seemed completely unnecessary, and it just felt like something went missing after he was gone. That that's just how I personally felt. So I, I didn't have to think twice about this when you asked me. It was John Lester.
0: Yeah, I, I agree as well. I mean. Lester had some, uh, you know, signature moments in in the postseason. He pitched game four of the 07 World Series, uh, you know, matchup against the the Colorado Rockies, and then obviously was a horse all through the 2013 postseason. He did lose the one game to Detroit in the uh, opener for the ALCS, but... um, I think he might have only given up one run in that outing. And I, I mean, I just, who else was there that was just so reliable? I mean, Kurt Schilling, obviously, um, one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time, but you know, Pedro was pretty good. But I mean, when you, if you go back to, I don't know, through the nineties and two thousands, I mean, Lester has to be top three or four.
1: Yeah, I mean, Lowe had his moments. He was up and down as a starter. Obviously, was more of a reliever for most of his career before he left for L.A. Uh, Clemens in the early 90s, but, you know, that was his dominant run uh, before heading out to Toronto after he was starting to lose a little steam here. I think we all know how he picked that back up. Um, and then, yeah, you're kind of... In between until Pedro comes to town, he really didn't have a running mate of anyone else's caliber other than, you know, when Chilling came around. So I, yeah, Lester's probably, he's easily top five from the last 30 years. I could, you could easily, you could definitely make an argument for top three. And in terms of homegrown pitching talent,
0: he's the only one. Yeah, he's right and, Clemens, maybe. Yeah, but.
1: Clemens. And, yeah, it's Clemens and Lester. And that's kind of crazy. Because <laughs> that's 30 plus years. I mean, Clemens was the 80s. So it's kind of nuts that they went that long without getting that bona fide number one starter, uh, if through the, coming up through the system. And
0: In- his one start in the world Series in 07 that was again game four when we clinched it unfortunately that was in Colorado because we had home field advantage to to start that series but he pitched five and two thirds only gave up three hits he did walk three only struck out three but that's pretty good for a rookie trying to clinch yeah, a world say series so. <laughs> yeah I mean, you
1: go into a World Series game with a rookie, you're like, oh, my God, get the bullpen, like, make sure they're ready to go in the, you know, bottom of the first. (laughs) Yeah, you you never really felt that way with them. And he was just Mr. Consistency day in, day out. He had that little bit of a lull when, you know, the whole Red Sox team kind of hit a rocky, uh. Rocky time there with uh, chicken and beer. And I think we could probably make an argument that lackey and Beckett weren't exactly the best uh, influences on him at that point of his career. Um, But yeah, you you couldn't ask anything more. And the fact that, you know, he also beat cancer during his time here, that was such a big thing. And I, I felt like he really, just fit in with community, and Xander is an amazing person. Not taking anything away from him, but it just felt a little bit different there with Lester when he had that connection with you know all the treatment centers he went through, and all the people. You know, you'd see like during the Jimmy Fund Telethon, there was just a little something extra.
0: That's a good point because I can't think of anyone really where there was such an intense, you know, emotional connection. I mean, Pedro was was a god, I mean, but but with Lester it was it was a little bit more human and you know, I can't think of anyone else really in the history of our organization that that had that connection with the fan base other than obviously Jerry Remy cuz he, you know, he had his battles, but but Lester is certainly right up there. Uh, 2013 postseason. uh, in his one start, uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays went seven and two thirds, gave up two runs. Red Sox win that game. Uh, and then in Detroit, he went 11 and two thirds, gave up just three runs, uh, over the course of the two starts. Uh, and by the way, the strikeouts, um, also seven in, in that outing seven against Tampa and then finally, uh, in the World Series, let's see, this was twenty thirteen against uh the St. Louis Cardinals, he went, this is unbelievable. Lester went fifteen and one thirds innings, only gave up one run. He had a, a 0.59 ERA. And it's just crazy to me. I mean, this dude was just so good, so locked down and When you go beyond his tenure in Boston, you go to Cleveland. He did get thumped uh, one time against the Mets in in the 2015 ALCS. He gave up four runs in that. And then uh, he did get knocked around, I think. Oh, no, that was over three games, though, so disregard that. But as a starter, he just continued to be lights out. Uh, other than that, one outing against the Mets uh, during his whole, uh, you know, Cubs tenure. His final postseason start was in the wildcard game against the, um, let's see, that was the Colorado Rockies in 2018. Actually, yeah, it was actually. They also had a game 163 right before that. That was kind of a weird finish, but. And in his final postseason start ever, he went six innings and uh, gave up just one earned run. So just continued to be um, just the dominant postseason guy. And another thing, before we get into the, the contract debacle real quick, one of my favorite Lester stats is outside of, let's see, no, I guess no, twenty twenty one he only he must have been hurt finally, but basically from two thousand eight through twenty nineteen he started a minimum of thirty one games. Thirty one or more games for eleven or twelve years. Then obviously twenty twenty happened and uh oh no wait, I think I misread twenty twenty one.
1: He had 28 starts in 2021, yeah. which is still pretty damn good for
0: a 37-year-old. <laughs> right. He was traded, and it was split up, so I, I misread it. But, but yeah, it just dude was a horse, never had Tommy John, the ultimate reliable guy. You know what you're getting, and I don't think you'll ever see another run like that ever, really. It's no. just not that kind of a game anymore. But... So let's talk about the contract situation with Lester. So he uh, infamously uh, might have jinxed or Well, I don't know if jinx is the right word, but he might have uh, shot himself in the foot when he told the media in spring training, this was 2013 going into 2014. So I guess before the start of the 2014 season, he said he would be open to taking a hometown discount to stay with the Red Sox. And he went on to say they would ha- have to rip this... Sh- jersey off my back and then came the the infamous lowball. uh you know four years 70 million that was or was it was that? Yeah, yeah, it so yeah four years yeah so that 70 million it came out to i think 17 and a half million per year and there was a lot of outrage through the media and lester wasn't happy about it and um, I remember an interview. Lester was. They were asking him about his contract, and I don't know if it was in the clubhouse or or where it was. And you could hear Jake Peavy in the background saying, "You know, have have they offered you eighty five million yet? You know, <laughs> just to low ball a low volume second time." <laughs> so I mean, Lester, you know, wasn't wasn't happy, and. Was there any part of you that believed, well, they'll get it right? They'll get it right before the end of the year. They'll get to an appropriate range that everybody's happy and we'll just forget about this controversy?
1: Absolutely. 100% of me believed that. He was a 30 year old lefty, durable starting pitcher, and there wasn't a farm system that was, you know, ready to pump up like two number two starters at the time. I thought, you know what? They screwed this up. Larry Lockino's a freaking idiot. And there's no reason to lose him. That would make no sense. And then they didn't. I was blown away.
0: I thought they would get it right, but it just never happened. And 2014 was not a good year. We basically brought back the whole team from the year before, with the exception of Ellsbury. He had signed with the Yankees, and they were trying to – you know, they were trying to get Jackie Bradley to have a, you know, a, a decent rookie year. That unfortunately didn't happen. And the, the whole team just underperformed. Lackey wasn't pitching well. PV looked like he was just completely out of it. You know, it looked like his career was about over. He did go on, I think, the next year to have a pretty good season with the Giants. But, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't a good year. And then at, the deadline or, or leading up to it, he was traded uh, to Oakland in a one-for-one deal. We got Ioannis Cespedes, <laughs> who was an absolute horror show, apparently, with the coaching staff. And
1: What was your favorite Cespedes Red Sox memory?
0: I don't know. I don't have one. I just I, I barely remember.
1: Man. I literally can't remember a single moment. I can't even see him in a Red Sox uniform. Like I, I just can't even. I can't even picture it.
0: <laughs> and then he was ultimately traded that winter, uh, basically in a one for one for Rick Porcello, which I was. I, I didn't hate that we didn't have Cespedes anymore, but I, I hated that we had Porcello, and he was absolute trash that first year, and then somehow you know won a Cy Young the next year. Um, there were probably two good years out of the five for Purcello, but I, I was just never, never a fan of bringing him here. Um, but yeah, so basically they traded him. Now, when that happens and you hear Cespedus is coming, and are you still thinking, though, that, well, they'll still work it out? I mean, we could still sign him.
1: Yeah, that was all everyone was saying. I mean, I think it was a little bit of denial and false hope. It was just like, Oh, well they're going to get him. They're going to go back. They're going to look great. Cause now we got a, we got a left fielder who's going to mash and we get Lester back. <laughs> and yeah, it turns out if you piss people off, uh, you know, badly enough, they don't want to come back and do business with you.
0: That's was my thoughts as well. And I, I remember that night and it, I, I can't remember what, if it was during the GM meetings or the winter meetings, but Lester, there was a lot of talk that it was down to the Red Sox and the Cubs and the Giants had told someone in the media, one of the big beat writers, Rosenthal Heyman, that we're out of it. Lester has told us we're out of it. And that came around six or 7 PM that night. So now it's down to the Cubs and the Red Sox. And, I was thinking, man, there has to, they have to get this done. And, you know, everybody was mentioning the Epstein connection. And Epstein obviously had a strong affinity for Lester. And I remember one headline being that, and this was exactly what it was titled one of the teams is tugging on Lester's heartstrings. And I read that as Boston. I thought, okay, Boston's you know really working hard to get it done. I stayed up pretty late that night. I think I think I finally gave up around one or one thirty. and Lester had met with Ben Sherrington that night. So I'm thinking, man, this has to be it. And I kept waiting for it, waiting for it. And finally, I gave up, went to bed, woke up the next morning. I think I checked MLB trade rumors. And he had signed with the Cubs. I,
1: I was in disbelief during that whole process. But, you know, if there's anyone that could sell John Lester and make this connection of, don't you just hate how shitty Red Sox ownership could be? It's Theo Epstein. I mean, the guy literally left town in a gorilla costume. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like if you can bond over just ragging on a previous employer that you hated you know, with an old coworker, I mean, that, that, that's the connection right there. Their socks didn't stand a chance. And I don't think Charrington had any sort of connection with Lester on this, nearly the same level as Epstein did. And I just, I guess we should have seen it coming. I, I didn't, but we should have,
0: this is gross, but it, it is a quote from Epstein. He said he was prepared to soak himself in deer urine if it meant oh. drawing Lester to the team. And that's like a hunting reference. Apparently, Lester is a, is an outdoorsman. And um, so... It did kind of make sense in the end. Apparently, the Red Sox did offer him. Their final offer was somewhere in the range uh, between 110 and 120 million. That was the initial range that was believed to a, would have gotten it done in spring training. And mm-hmm. Homer Bailey was the name that kept getting brought up. Like that was the comp. That was the deal he signed with the Cincinnati Reds and that would have been 5 years 22 million a year. Now that sounds like chump change compared to what some of these guys are getting, but that was a that was a decent contract at that time and they waited, you know, 7 or 8 months too late to offer it. He did end up signing uh, a 135 million dollar deal over 6 years with the Cubs, so they outbid the Red Sox by um, 20 to 25 million, depending on what the actual Red Sox figure was. He was also given a $20 million signing bonus, which was going to be paid out over the life of the contract, which is kind of confusing to me because usually they get that money up front. Like why, why structure it that way? Why not just have it be, you know, 155 million spread out over six years. But, um, but that's ultimately how it crumbled, and um, we went on to have a horror show of a rotation. <laughs> um, Bill James was heavily involved that season, that winter, um, and the, the ground ball theory was what led to uh, Justin Masterson being brought in. That's what they liked about Rick Porcello. Apparently, Wade Miley had a really strong, uh, you know, really high ground ball percentage um and it just it did not work and we that's finished.
1: the uh, infamous
0: he's the ace shirt rotation right that was absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah all, all of them were wearing it <laughs> i think that was driven by buck oh i i
1: thought it was oh i was i was thinking it was a feral uh quote like we have five. It was some No, race. no, that was
0: no John Henry gave the quote. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's like, he we was five aces. Or something. And I think he compared it to the, the 2008 team too, which was also hilarious. No, or was it 2012? I can't remember, but he's yeah, like, so yeah,
1: so good, good times around
0: that. We've got five aces is what John, John yeah. Henry said. And, uh, And then the shirts came out, like you said, and they were all wearing the I'm the ace. And Wade Miley, of all of them, ended up with the most wins that year, which was crazy. Joe (laughs) Kelly might have been second on that list. Uh, He started a bunch of games, went on a nice little run. I think he was 8-0 at one point uh, late in the season. Uh, And I think no, he was traded the year before, yeah. So he probably um, bounced around a little bit. But again, Farrell went on his cancer leave. Lavelle took over. And uh, I think they were the best team in baseball the last two months. But we were just so far behind that it just didn't matter. We still ended up matter. with 70-something wins.
1: And, you know, you can look even further with this lesser contract. And it's still kind of rearing its ugly head nowadays because – what's the direct reaction to losing Lester? It's a couple years later. The sale. Uh, well, I was going to say David Price.
0: Oh, okay. You
1: no, know, signing him to that contract. And we all know the end of that and how attaching him to bets. And, you know, you just think, what if, and yeah, and again, exactly the sale one too. They didn't want to lose him. And,
0: well, when they signed yeah. Sale, they admitted for the first time publicly that they screwed up the Lester situation and they were mm-hmm. trying to avoid that with Sale. So that, that's why I went with that. Since you brought up David Price, here's a good one for you. Uh, and I, I bring this up probably two or three times a year. Um, for basically the same exact money we paid for David Price, we could have had John Lester and Cole Hamels who were were both making 110. (laughs) So Price getting 217, Lester and Hamels together would have been, you know, 220. And Hamels was pretty good. Like he was still pretty good at that, at that time in his career. Um, Texas. I, I know they went to the world series back to back in 2010 and 2011, but they were still a perennial playoff team for the next four or five years. And Hamels was, was on that team um so it it would have been a relatively inexpensive uh rotation
1: it would have been one of the best rotations who has two dominant lefties like that no one right yeah that that would have been you, you they would have been competing every single year
0: and we could have hung on to lackey i mean he was pretty good through that 2016 season and he still would have been a serviceable middle of the rotation guy but, uh, you know, lots of uh, missteps there. So I, I asked on on Twitter um, which is more painful, and the most responses were actually for Bogarts, but obviously some recency yeah. bias there. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, that was... Uh, most of us thought he was gone. I mean... I don't think any of us foresaw 280 million uh, no, at the time, but, but I mean, the 11 years
1: just broke all, you know, sorts of, you know, sense of reason. It, it all went out the door at that, you know, at that stage. Let me ask you this. Do you think Xander Bogarts has nearly, we won't even say a hundred percent, 70% of the impact John Lester did in Chicago. Do you think Xander has that sort of influence and impact in San Diego?
0: Well, certainly not for the whole contract, but I mean. But I, in terms of like
1: just what he meant to the city, like
0: oh, Lester, oh
1: you would have thought he was a cub for life the way that the fans, you know, just treat him and have fun, these memories of him.
0: I got you. yeah so no the answer is no he won't because i mean he's just a small part of a team like i forget which which i think it was a national writer basically described it like san diego is collecting superstars <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. they're doing i mean you got you got machado you got uh tatis who'll be back at some point in april you got Bogarts, um, Soto, Soto, exactly. And now, now I'm wondering, uh, can they even sign him at this point? Um, but it's just insane, and they'll probably add a a pitcher at some point or make some disgusting trade uh, to get one. But, but comparably, though, I mean, there were missteps with with Bogarts and um you know Dombrowski signed him to the um you know the six years hundred and twenty and it had the opt out after the fourth year and Xander wasn't really that superstar shortstop when he signed that that initial you know six year deal and then you know things kind of took off uh especially twenty nineteen um, you know, the first year of that deal. And then I don't really remember what he did in 2020, but 2021 was by far the best season of his career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming into this year, I mean, it's debatable on on what was actually offered to him. I mean, Heyman came out and said it was, uh, I think, a four-year deal, uh, it was widely reported in the spring that he was only offered a one-year add-on to the deal at 30 million. Buster only w- gave that same figure this morning um, when he was quote tweeting an article. So, I mean, w- why? I mean, why even offer him that? Like, why not just wait until the off-season? Because that's where the optics are are destroying the front office right now.
1: Yeah. And I actually, I don't know. I think it was just kind of, I I don't think they meant to be insulting. I think they were just kind of assuming, you know, we're probably not going to get anything worked out with him. They'll want to hit free agency or kind of give it up one time. Maybe we just, you know, give a gentleman's offer of a $30 million, you know, added year onto it. I don't think there was any malice intended with it. And I don't know. I am kind of, Intrigued by this new, you know, they rewrote it to be 4 um, 120. What's coming out, coming out now?
0: That I think was from Heyman. And what I, I'm wondering what could have happened there was maybe he was just comparing the new deal to his initial 6 120. I think, you know, it's a possibility that that could have happened. But here's my theory. I think Trevor story was brought in to be the long-term middle infielder, and once that happened, I don't think, I don't think Bloom really envisioned him keeping Xander here because you've got two. Well, you got one stud middle infielder, and we'll we'll see if you know Nick York can have a bounce back. Uh, but he was projected to be you know, or a really good, I mean, he was our first round pick, uh, the year before last, but, or was it two years ago? It was but, the
1: 2020 season. Oh, I, right. but, I mean, he was, you know, first round because they lost their second pick. So they had to save money, but he, he bounced back in the AFL this year. Luckily. Yeah. He had a lot of injuries throughout the regular season.
0: Right. So basically, I don't think Xander was was part of the plan because I mean we're we're in pretty good shape as far as our middle infield goes, and I I just think Trevor Story was the was the pivot, you know that was the the contract they were comfortable with, and I just I couldn't imagine really Xander getting a, a huge deal at that point.
1: Yeah, you know I I do think though we did see this off season that they did want him back just judging by the stories that have been written after, you know, the San Diego now announcement came came through. I just, when Turner got his, you know, what did he get? 10 years? 11. Or no, he got 11 too. You know, that's just kind of threw a wrench into everything. And do you think that Philly offers, Xander, anything close to that if Turner signs with Seattle, uh, Seattle, San Diego. Do I think Philly would have done it? Yeah. Do you think they off, do you think Philly gives Xander 11 280?
0: I don't think no, I don't either.
1: So I wonder what it would have ended up costing Boston to, you know, reach it what Xander was looking to maybe give in a little bit of a discount. If it came down to Boston and Philly,
0: let me uh, do some math here. So if Boston came back at Xander and offered him eight two forty, that would have been 30 a year. Yeah, which is I wouldn't, um, wanted it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have wanted it either. But does Xander who does Xander sign with? Does he stay with Boston or does he go out to San Diego?
1: I think he goes, mm, shit. Uh, yeah, I think those three, like at that point, I think it's the I don't that's tough. That I honestly <laughs> loves the 11 years, but I think maybe he stays in Boston.
0: I think so too, and the the deal I just gave the AAV is lower, I think, isn't it? Than the six uh, one hundred and sixty. Let me look. Or no, it's the same. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. no, no, no. Six one hundred and sixty is is less than thirty. So the eight is thirty here. <laughs> yeah, six. You know, okay. What's that? Yeah. Seven so I, I am higher. I for yeah. some reason I
0: thought the AAV was thirty two million with what Boston uh, gave him
1: but yeah. that that
0: would have been the price you know to tack on those those other two years but they didn't do it and honestly i think they would have been better off saying well they they <laughs> would have <very> <laughs> they should have been honest. They they should have been honest and just said, "Well, you know, it's it doesn't really fit with what we're trying to do."
1: Eight two forty is. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's one of the contracts that screwed Boston. I don't like
0: it either. I'm not advocating yeah. for it, but oh, no, I
1: know. I there's just no winning with the fan base, you know. At that point, whether you come out and say we weren't comfortable or if you just come out and say, you know, we're we're shocked by this decision. I I just don't I don't think Xander's going to be super happy in San Diego. Do you? I I don't think he'll hate it,
0: to be honest. Um, because it's
1: laid back. And I mean, I guess he can just kind of a chill back nine of his career. He's already got rings. He know? doesn't
0: handle pressure very well. And we saw that with the numbers for his walk year, he just—I mean, he—he he didn't suck, but he just wasn't good, you know. Trey Turner, I think, had a a pretty decent, you know, walk year. Carlos Correa was off the charts, I think, in in Minnesota. Andrew
1: Swanson had a good one.
0: Yeah, he had a good year. And Xander, not so much. And he's never been a, a postseason guy. I think he did have some moments in in twenty twenty one. Um, I forget which series that would have been probably the Tampa series, but, um, hasn't really been a great postseason guy. I don't think he handles pressure well. And a lot of Red Sox fans were like, well, let's put the C on his Jersey. I don't think he really wants that. I don't think he really would have been comfortable in that role. And now he can go out to San Diego and kind of play behind Manny Machado, who's a very strong personality, very outspoken um fernando tatis you know i i don't know if he's outspoken but he, he gets tons of uh, media attention
1: yeah he's definitely more of a wild card than you know a chiseled you know veteran that machado and xander are. but you know they're saying machado is gonna opt out next year does that make does that pivot xander back into that role
0: how old is Machado?
1: He's gonna be 30, 31 he's during mid- his uh,
0: thirty-one, and, and he's gonna get paid. What year is that? Yeah, so he probably could opt out. He oh, he's going to. That's why that they the
1: Padres, their beat writers, pretty much said you know it's a given. That's why they were looking to bring in a middle infielder this year.
0: Right. Yeah. He was twenty-six when he signed that deal, so I guess it it does make sense. And that that's one of the few mega contracts that's worked out brilliantly. Even
1: Harper. Yeah. That, I mean that off season, no one wanted to sign either. And you know, that, that was <laughs> the collusion out. off season.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Harper, you know, the injuries are, are, you those know, those are
1: tough. Yeah. The, he's definitely getting banged up if he didn't have, you know, this postseason you know, miracle run that he's going on and, or went on and, you know, the MVP season as well, then maybe you're looking at it a little bit differently, but I think he's kind of, I, I don't think Philly fans would consider it, you know, a bust if he doesn't bring a World Series title there.
0: I think, oh, I don't know. I mean, they have to win one at some point, uh, you know. They during- have to win it
1: this year, right?
0: Well, I it, it's... I think they're they're set up for the next probably two to three years pretty good.
1: I don't um, know what NOLA and Wheeler have. I mean, that's kind of their window, I would say. Yeah. You know, those two.
0: But, I mean, with the prices this winter, I mean, some of these owners are just going to go nuts. And mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's a market correction here in a couple of years as well. Um Cohen will get out of two contracts fast, you know, Verlander and Scherzer. I mean, those are short. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, the Padres are going to be saddled down pretty bad no matter what with Tatis (laughs) and Bogarts. I'd almost be surprised if, uh, if they didn't go after Machado again, but I The Red Sox did won't be did. in on him. I've kind of softened <laughs> up on Machado recently. I mean, if, the dude works. His, not Dino? What's that?
1: I don't know. He, I think Machado, I, it, a lot of what, you know, what happens with Devers <laughs> and you, <laughs> here's a replacement. We, that we know can play in the AL East. He was great when he was uh, with Baltimore with, you know, he always seemed to do well at Fenway. I don't have the numbers to back that up. He can still play the field.
0: Yeah, he's, I mean, <laughs> one of the best defensive third basemen in, in, in MLB. You know? It might
1: make perfect sense <laughs> that we're talking about in 12 months. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, I don't think the Red Sox, we might see it with Devers here pretty quick, but I don't think they're going to go near age 40 with a player. I just, I don't see it.
1: They shouldn't. No one really should. I, I don't but think they will. Like, it seems like they need to now, or else you can't play. You if, know, you are not in the nego- negotiations anymore.
0: If Casas, you know, goes off this year, they should at least explore it with him. It's like if you
1: don't get these guys signed on pre-arb deals, you might as well just trade them and get an absolute insane package when they have like two years left on their deal.
0: I mean, I, I, don't I th- think that's going to be the model. I mean, I think you'll, you could see it, like I said, with Casas, you you could see it with Meyer. I mean, he'll, he'll probably be up at some point in 2024, I think, if he's in double A. Yeah, it's A.
1: May 4 is his, yeah, pretty much start date. And who knows with these new rules that they have, because, you know, you, you'll lose, the guy gains an extra year of uh, service time if he finishes top two in the rookie of the year vote. Yeah. So that has that a huge impact as well. Didn't affect the Braves because you know they locked they locked up both Strider and uh what's his name? That uh Riley. Harris. Or no, yeah. No, who was who the hell won the rookie of the year? I can't even think about it right now. But um the outfielder, the center fielder.
0: Oh crap, who is that? All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, the
1: you know, the Orioles just lost a year Rutschman and Now he has leverage on a uh, pre-arb deal, so there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, song and dance to these negotiations that the Red Sox should pay attention to uh, as the Orioles go through it.
0: I mean, Bloom's in a tough spot. I mean, do you agree? He's probably done if we're out of it. Uh,
1: I would say if they have a bad year, if they finish one game out, I don't. I I think he still gets you know the benefit of the doubt. I, I tweeted this the other day. I kind of appreciate what he's doing as someone that watches a lot of NBA. You see these GMs that are hot seat, hotter than hot, kind of like what bloom seems to be on right now. And then they trade every last asset and set the team back like six years when they inevitably fail. Like if he doesn't move Meyer in York and Miguel blaze, and he kind of just tries to get it all figured out, you know, without blowing up the future, I, kind of got to give him
0: props for that. I, I'm not a big trade, you know, all of your prospects guy. I mean, I I, I think in the war room, I, I'm usually against most trades. Um, I'd just rather spend the money and, and keep the prospects. And that does seem to be the trend. I mean, we're not seeing high-end prospects get dealt so far this winter. It's all been spending for the most part. No. Yeah. I don't... And, and I... <sighs> It's, it sucks because we'd have to do business with Ben Sherrington. But man, if, if the market comes down just a little bit for a guy like Reynolds, like I might give up a York type guy and another top five guy, maybe that Cardenas kid that, and, and try to work it out. And, or go ahead.
1: I I, I just don't see it coming down. (laughs) Reynolds is, they could name their price on him and it's going to be, it'll start with Meyer. And I don't, I don't want that personally.
0: If you can get an extension worked out seven or eight years. And I I think Reynolds (laughs) is about 27, 28 right now.
1: Now. Yeah. Do you think he's maybe I'm a little bit lower on him than most people. I wouldn't even want that long to deal with Ryan Reynolds.
0: The reason why I'm willing to entertain it with him is we still have nothing other than that Cardenas kid, I guess. Uh, oh, Rafaela, Yeah. In in the outfield, we just got nothing. And it just seems like he'll be a, a relatively high-end outfielder.
1: <laughs> well, I would expect pretty much Jackie Bradley Jr. out of him. That, that's what I would say.
0: You, I mean, he's that's not, the ceiling you think? I mean, he's that's already a good ceiling. He, Sedan Raphael is not. Oh, that, that's who you're talking about. All right, my bad. I thought wait, you were who talking, are you about, talking about. I thought you were talking about Reynolds. as like,
1: oh no, 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 no. no. I, yeah, well, I think Reynolds. I don't think he's that thirty home run a year, three hundred hitter. I I think he's closer to what he was this year. I
0: hang on so he's a he's well he's a switch hitter but i think mostly a righty um 27 home runs man i just think it could it could play pretty well i mean go back through the years i think i touched on this in the last podcast in 04 you've got you got damon you got manny you've got trot nixon that's a great outfield uh, 2007, you got J.D. Drew, who I liked probably better than most Red Sox fans. I thought that deal worked out okay. Uh, and then you had Jacoby. And then who was the left fielder in 07? Oh, still Manny. Yeah, so another very good outfield. And then 2013, I mean, it wasn't... We weren't high on it going into the season, but Victorino was pretty serviceable, had somewhat of a resurgence. Uh, Ellsbury had a pretty good year. That year, uh, outside of his mandatory three-week DL stint, and then you had a pretty good platoon in Gomes yeah. and Nava. So, I mean, we're historically, you know, over the last couple of decades, we've had some good outfields, and I just, I want to get back to that, and I just feel like if you could do it, I mean, it would be a painful trade, and. If it's not Reynolds, like if you can identify an outfielder somewhere, I would I would give up a top five prospect. And I still
1: I agree. I, I miss those, you know, we have two boppers in the outfielder, you know, like one really good one and two, you know, above average ones. I still hope, you know, hope they can work something out with St. Louis. Yeah, you know, Arizona has outfielders for days. I, I, I think there's a lot of trades to still be made. I, I don't think this by any means is close to the final product for for the Red Sox. Uh, where we stand today on December 11th.
0: You have some trade capital in Verdugo, um, who I'm I've been vehemently against trading, but. I mean, if you're going to trade for someone, I mean, you're not going to trade for a serious stud middle infielder. I mean, you got two prospects that are just too close. So that's not going to happen. Um, and if you
1: trade for Dugo, you're kind of just opening or reopening a wound. Well, you know, if you're moving for an outfielder, yeah, because I've seen some people throw that out there. It's like, what did Pittsburgh want for Dugo? It's like, why would you. I don't have think, an issue in your
0: I don't think he would be in that deal, though. I don't think he would be involved in the in whatever trade, whether it's Reynolds or or someone else. But you fill the slot with whoever you're trading for, and then you can pivot and trade Verdugo. Go get your catcher, or maybe a. You know, I think we need more than a middle of the rotation arm, but you could you might be able to. Make some uh, Pablo
1: Lopez with Miami. I don't know. Someone I, I know they're always looking for some offense.
0: I don't know if someone DM'd me that name today. Um they've always
1: been high on trade, you know, his trade value. They turned down Gleber Torres at the deadline this year because I know they asked for they might ask for a Peraza in that as well. There's something they, they had a high asking probably the Yankees. Yankees thought they had him uh that day.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a
1: huge fan. He's solid. I don't think his numbers would do extremely well at Fenway. You know, when you look at a you know above 500 teams, when he faces the Mets and the Braves, his numbers definitely uh, take a hit compared to when he's beating up on other, you know, the Washingtons of the league. But he'd yeah. be a serviceable number worse probably.
0: I would probably like him more than... Almost everyone in their rotation, to be honest, outside of Bello, uh, eight point seven strikeout per nine. That's not like off the charts. It's not a, Yeah. Um. Let's see. His walks per nine are pretty low, two point seven. So not a ton of walks there. Um. Actually, only fifty three walks in thirty two starts last year. Yeah. So he doesn't give up a ton of um, you know, free bags, but. Seems to be a little bit home run prone though. Gave up twenty one last year. I think that's comparable to um, Evolde. Although yeah, not-
1: Evolde, we were like, oh, he's letting up a decent amount of home runs. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, he's he's solid, not spectacular. That that that's how I would, you know.
0: I don't know. I I just feel like Verdugo has enough value to, to fill a need somewhere, but he would be the odd man out. I think of all the outfielders, Um, you know, so uh, you're higher on Yoshida than I am obviously. Um, But I just feel like if you get another all-star caliber outfielder out there, you got Kike who should be, you know, he's a doubles machine and, you know, very serviceable elite defender. Um, and then, man, I'm, we'll take what we can get, I guess, with Yoshida, but, um, he's a lefty. And that's the other problem. And that that's another reason why I'm identifying Verdugo as the odd man out, because I think Yoshida is a lefty, isn't he? Yes. So... So your two guys in your corner outfields are lefties, and then your two corner infielders two corner are le- infielders are lefties, lefties and recent so is a lefty. We're too yeah. heavy. We're just too <laughs> they, we got they, too many.
1: They have to bring in another, another righty bat for sure. Probably whoever your starting shortstop is. I, I think that's a given. Um has to be a righty. And I, I'm still higher on him than I think him. <laughs> Most other people, but like a guy like Adam Duvall, I think would make a lot of sense yeah. to split some time with Yoshida and left and kind of give them both about 81 games uh, field and at DH to keep both as fresh as possible. But Duvall, you know, he's got the caliber he's shown he can be, you know, a great guy in your clubhouse and he's got that World Series experience you know, with the Braves just a couple years ago when he went on an insane tear for them. So I, I, a guy like that. Uh, but yeah, whoever's the starting shortstop though has to be a right-handed hitter. Can't be a lefty.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't see how they're going to do it. I mean, Devers most likely, you know, gets extended, I, I guess, I mean, but all we were going on was those two, I forget where they're from, like the two Caribbean guys, I guess.
1: Oh uh, yeah, uh, and, mainly some Pools.
0: So we don't so, we don't really know truly where the Red Sox are at with Devers, but I mean you have to you have to um, believe that they're going to work that one out. Um, and then Casas, I don't can't imagine him being in a trade.
1: It would have to be a big one. <laughs> it would have to be a doozy because. I, I, who's who are they getting back if they trade Casas? It's probably a number two starter. It's got to be someone really good or an uh young, controllable outfielder that I, I throw, you know, I think it was Alec Thomas with the uh, with the D backs, like someone like him who's still 22 around the same age, baby, yeah, same age as Tristan. It would have to be. It'll hurt, but it has to be at an extreme position of need. Either a high end caliber starter or a young five plus year controlled uh, outfielder.
0: I mean, if we're trading Casas, I, I would want, you know, the equivalence of a guy like Bello, probably. Yeah, I, I yeah. would want more than Pablo Lopez for sure if we're trading Casas. If
1: that's what it was, I would I'd be pissed off quite frankly i don't think that'll happen but (laughs) yeah i'm not too worried another um
0: lefty that's still technically on the roster is hosmer as well so we've got a Mm. we've got a bad lefty problem uh yeah so i don't know we'll see i mean there's not it's kind of slim pickings now as far as um you know who we can sign. I mean, Dansby is going to get over two hundred at this point, don't we think? Do
1: we think so? I don't Jeez. Know. I, I mean,
0: I mean, if it's less than two hundred, I mean, could the Red Sox be well? Not really, the Red Sox, because like I said, well, I mean, they could
1: offer him that six and it yeah, you know, it gives them. Someone respectable there. He's one of the best defenders in the league. He was literally a hundredth uh, percentile, and now above average. And you'd have just an insane middle infield. Uh, what if so, you uh,
0: give him the Correa deal? In a way, with an opt out after one.
1: I mean, yeah. I I would I would do that in a heartbeat. But I'd would he like, do no. it?
0: That's what I'm wondering.
1: I he might. I don't know that would be perfect. He, 20, he, ju- he just got married today. Give it to him for a honeymoon. Um is he, he's not 30 yet, right? He's only
0: I think he's 28 or 29. He's close enough. If he's
1: 28, I could see him doing it. Uh, he's gonna turn 29 during the season or before the season. Uh he might, because then you're only going in your age 30 season, and who else is hitting the free agent market, you know, at a sh- at shortstop? Right, does Tim Anderson have one, or does he have two years left?
0: Maybe I don't two. Know. I think he's not. I don't think he's gonna get what these guys are getting. But
1: oh, I am just saying in terms of competition. Oh, yeah. So maybe he does do it. Maybe he, he takes it next year and says, "Forget it." Yeah,
0: like, Dansby is gonna be way more coveted. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I just wonder if Bloom would explore that because it, it fits our timeline with um, you know York and. Meyer, and if we get stuck with the whole two or three years then so be it you know
1: wouldn't be bad about it
0: yeah (laughs) they could uh make it work but all right well we'll uh i guess wrap on that um we'll probably i don't know Let's see. Tomorrow's Monday, so we'll we'll try to come back. You know, maybe late in the week or something if uh, anything develops. If any major, like if if Dansby signs, uh, you know, we could still come on and cover some of the bigger major league stuff. So we'll uh, we'll try to make it back. But definitely, as things develop, we'll be Johnny on the spot like we have been uh, so far. So everyone, have a good start to your week. Take care.